Everyone knows men and women have different styles of communication. A woman's ability to recognize that man code and translate it can make the difference between success and failure in the workplace. InfoTrack's Taryn McCall is here with a look. Taryn? Thanks, Roy. Code Switching, How to Talk So Men Will Listen, is the new book by Claire Damkin Brown and Dr. Audrey Nelson. Dr. Nelson joins us today on InfoTrack. Welcome. Thank you so much. Science seems to say that communication differences between the sexes is hardwired, and there's plenty of evidence of those differences even in very young children, correct? Absolutely. There is a lot of evidence that much of this is hardwired. Yes, indeed it is. But it brings us to that nature-nurture controversy. And I know I have my own gender laboratory at home. I have a daughter and a son. And I am here to tell you that, yes, there are hormones, there are brain differences. However, we cannot underestimate the power of the environment and the messages, even when an infant's in a nursery. There already begins differential treatment. So it's a nature-nurture. It's a little bit of both. We'll get to this in a little bit, but the typical male behaviors we see in young boys on the playground get transferred to the office, and the same for women, and that sets up a lot of conflicts in the way people run their businesses or hold meetings. Absolutely. I mean, the playground transfers to the cubicle. You will see some of the same behaviors on the playground exhibited as you go off to work and you see men spar, for example, with each other. They like to banter. They like to play fight. And you'll see the girls sitting around organizing and discussing how best to delegate things and get it done. Absolutely. (laughs) They're all about play fair. They're about maintaining relationships. Absolutely. So what is the concept behind the phrase code switching? It really is born out of linguistics. Code switching means, and it's really the sign of an effective communicator, it's a person's ability to use their knowledge. A prerequisite is they have a knowledge of two or more cultures. And in this case, they're aware of what the female style is, and they can do it. For example, a female communication trait is the ability to show empathy and compassionate listening and a male style. So it's the knowledge of those two cultures or languages and most important, the person's ability, and we're talking about women here, to be able to switch between them depending on the encounter, the situation that she's in. So we used to have a saying that we branded our communication freshmen with at the university. Communication is context-bound, meaning good communicators know how to match their message to the context, to the situation they're in at the moment. And women who are good at code switching have that plasticity, that flexibility during the course of their day that requires them to be and do many different things. They're in several different contexts during the day, from a one-on-one meeting with the boss to negotiating with an aggressive vendor to the staff meeting where they're trying to collaborate and compromise. So she's in many different contexts, but she can move in and out of them with ease because she has that plasticity and flexibility to adapt her 
style to meet the demands of the situation. Can that backfire in subtle ways? For instance, if men perceive a woman acting like a man in the workplace. If he perceives her acting as a man, and again, remember code switching is very dynamic. It's strong, but it's also soft. It's aggressive, but it's also straightforward. It's compassionate, and it's not afraid of emotions. So the picture you're painting is a man is saying, wow, she right now is coming on pretty strong. She's being very assertive. Generally, what we find is men actually respect that when women take a stand. You know, the unspoken, I think, message that you're implying is, will he see it as manipulation? No, because she wears many different hats. One thing that does not work in communication is when we deal with people outside of work who have one style, and they only know how to do one thing. They're just hard, and that's the only way they know how to come off. Or they're more of a backseat, quiet, that's the only style they know. So actually, men prefer it, they like it, and you know, women are doing work here. This is sort of a social maintenance. They're saying, okay, I'm with a room full of men. If I don't take a stand on this issue, if I'm not assertive, they're not going to hear me. So it's a travel guide to another culture. And we all know when we travel to foreign countries, if we know a little bit of the language, if we know some of the customs and the norms, we get along better. It's not just about verbal language. You do spend some time talking about body language, and that's an area that's rife for miscommunication or misreading. Can you talk a little about that? That's huge. The nonverbal dimension, from a communication perspective, many people will tell you that the nonverbal may indeed be more powerful than the verbal. And let me just give you a quick acid test of that idea. If the verbal and nonverbal contradict, what do we tend to go with? We tend to go with the nonverbal. And that is just something instinctively, it's human nature. So the nonverbal is usually a greater and larger percent of the meaning of a message. It has more impact. And for women, it's head to toe. It's everything from eye contact behavior to if we cock our head or not, tilting of the head, our use of gestures, shrinking, condensing, coiling up, looking like a wilting violet. The voice alone is about 38% of the meaning of a message. How dynamic are we? Are we loud enough? Is our voice paced well? All those factors enter in. So the nonverbal is a huge piece. Another area where there's a pretty big disconnect is humor. Men and women have very different senses of humor. You can just mention the three stooges around women and see what kind of reaction you get. Putting that into the workplace, though, I think that sets up some pretty big conflicts, too, because that can cross over into areas of sexual harassment and hostile environments. So there's a red flag over that as well. There is. And humor is very interesting. The overall perspective I have on humor is it's a man's world. So A, we know that men tell more jokes than women. B, we know often when a woman does tell a joke, she does not tell it successfully. She'll forget the punchline. And then another factor about humor is 
to command the floor and tell a joke is a very bold act. It calls attention to yourself. It's a highly assertive act. Humor is also a primary way of how men connect with other men. Bantering, humor, teasing, joking. And you're absolutely right about your word of warning about humor. And your other word of warning is so true. It can venture, and it often does, particularly in male culture. And I can't tell you how many times I've been involved in my consulting work where there's been a joke ring going on through email with men, and it's contained sexual content. So you can get a whole lot of trouble. You know, you've got to be a little careful when you're in the workplace. We're talking with Dr. Audrey Nelson, co-author of Code Switching, How to Talk So Men Will Listen. Do you have a website where we can learn more? Absolutely. Codeswitching.biz. Thank you so much for being with us today on InfoTrack. Thank you very much. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.